But power, the power of life stewardship and more than what we think. So I encourage you to grab your outline out of the bulletin that looks like this right here. And as I said, there's a lot of scriptures. And, and the reason there is, and, and you're looking at the clock, or maybe not. Some of you tell me we don't really know what time it is. And, I, and I'm the one who sees it all the time. I try to be careful with your time. And, and yet today as we're talking in this, I believe it's the last session of the first half of becoming a disciple. And it's about church membership. Why should I join a local church? We hear it more and more in our culture. We have a lot of non-denominational churches and people join them. They kind of become a denomination in their own right. If you look in their website at their statement of beliefs, those beliefs come from some denominational roots of some sort of the leaders or founders. Their, their beliefs have been shaped by some denomination. Um, but people are just afraid of joining a church. And, and our culture wants to be kind of loosely connected. When I, when I went to college after being a pastor's son, well, I still am a pastor's son, but I was a pastor's kid, and every church we went to, I was known walking in the door. It's the new pastor's family. And I was in leadership in the local church and put in leadership in the district level at NYI and things like that. Um, and, and when I got to college, it was nice for a while. I went to Skyline Wesleyan and College Avenue Baptist, depending on where the girl that I liked went. And, and um, floated into these college worship services with 500 college students. And, and I got to walk in and sit and walk out and go eat lunch. And that was the extent of my experience. And I, honestly, I enjoyed it for almost a year. And, and it, was, it didn't have something for me in that type of superficial Connectivity, But in our culture today, it's very easy to be superficially connected. Any more people are superficially connected at the altar of weddings. Yeah, we'll get married and see if it works. You know, commitment's a scary thing. And so why should I join a church is the question we're going to deal with today. And we've been dealing with Olympic images and track and field mostly. But this is the this is the Olympic hockey team that had the miracle on ice. And I like that because, you know, God's asking us to do a miracle on earth. God wants us as His believers to be a living miracle to those who don't know Him and demonstrate His power. And you see them all pointing upward. Okay, they're saying number one. <laughs> but it's a group with a common goal. They had different positions on the ice, but yet with a common goal. And, and in this, I see that they're all pointing upward. <laughs> And God wants to bring His believers together. And, and in, coming back to track and field, I think, of a relay team. I did a weight man's relay once. Once. <laughs> uh, we missed the 4 by one had to do the 4 by 4 and it, it just about killed me. Um, but in, in the relay race, you see that there are several on the team, and they each have their own leg that they have to run. And, and there's this crazy little metal tube called a baton. I have a couple in my office. Um, and, and they have to hand that thing off. And if that baton hits the ground, the team is DQ'd, disqualified. And they have to pass that baton off to the, to the next guy within a certain space. There's a line in their lane where they can, it's the passing zone. And once they get in it, they can start passing and it gives them all this time. And then there's another, if it's not passed by the time they cross the next line out of the passing zone, they're disqualified. The team doesn't finish the race. And so the passing of the baton is vitally important in the relay race. And, and we've seen the U.S. teams that are favored sometimes drop the baton. doesn't matter how favored they are coming in. They drop the baton, it's over. And, and so, you'll see that what they'll do in their training is they'll look at examples. 
here's a couple of cute guys, huh? <laughs> Dressed real sharp. Uh, but it's just, it, they'll look at images of, of guys that are showing the proper form, that the opposite hand back, this one coming across this way because it fits your stride better. Uh, and so they'll look at still shots of form to get a picture of what does a proper handoff look like. Or they may look at something like this, that this has been a, a repeated shot of the same two in their progression in the handoff zone, in the, in the passing zone. And, and the one that's waiting starts to get going, remembering that the person coming is finishing their leg. They've been running as fast as they can for 100 yards or 400 yards. So they can't take off with fresh legs and separate themselves, but they get moving so that when they it's not, here, hand me the baton. Okay, now I better get going. It's, it's a faster transition. And so they're both moving and one's trying to, this one's trying to be sensitive to how much this one's slowing down, but still being able to accelerate at the same time. It's a very delicate and difficult procedure. We see them do it many, many times over and over again. And they study all these pictures and images to get form and timing. But looking at all the pictures, studying all the technique, it is no good until you get with your teammates and you start practicing it yourself with the coaching available. You see the coach standing in the background, watching their form, coaching them as they need it. The actual experience of what it is to feel the baton hit your hand and, and to grab it and, and, and the, the feel of, of the guy that's in front of you. How fast is he going to take off or how slow is this one coming in? You have to be together and practice and learn and train in person, face-to-face with coaching for any of that learning and reading. And, we, you know, we have our Bibles and we read and, and we get into Bible studies in small groups and we talk about what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. And, and yet, all that talking really doesn't amount to much until we start practicing what we're talking about. And, and in community... With each other, and so let me throw some scripture at you in the in the short time that we have. I'm, we're going to hit you with all this because, number one, I, I do have a video clip, but other than that, I don't have a lot of illustrations because when it comes to church membership, everyone's like, well, of course, a pastor wants everyone to join. And he's the pastor, so he's going to try to talk us into joining the church. I want God to tell you some things from His Word about the body. And about His plan and His purpose. And, and that's the first thing we want to see is what is our purpose? We see that team pointing upward. Your verse Colossians 3, 15 to 16 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. That's something we don't naturally have. We're born separated from God. We don't know Him. We're trying to find fulfillment in this life. And there's tempting answers that are counterfeit and lead us into broken paths and emptiness. And, and, and so we have to find the peace of Christ ruling, our, and that's in a relationship with Him. When we come to, to Christ, we start a relationship. And relationships have to be nurtured. They need time. They need phone time. They need face time. They need... They need to be together and to be nurtured. And, and so the purpose is you know, that we, together as one body, that the, the peace of Christ rules and that His message dwells among us. And in order for His message to, to uh, dwell among us, we have to be among. <laughs> the message has a richness 
when we are in more direct, pardon the term, guys, intimate fellowship around His Word. Let me throw another verse at you. Ephesians 3.10. His intent was that now, listen to this. This is speaking about God. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. His purpose for you and me as His followers, as this thing called the church, is that heaven gets it. Is that hell gets it. You don't think Satan was licking his chops when Jesus said, yep, I'm leaving, my, I'm leaving my mission in the hands of those human beings that are made lower than the angels. Heaven's going, I mean, hell, hell and his workers are going, <laughs> oh, Lord, God, you don't know what you were doing. We can mess with those creatures like crazy. But God's intent was that what He does in His power among us, as His message dwells among us richly, and, and we join in the struggle of temptation and, and the flesh together, confessing to each other, praying for each other, sharing with each other in this thing called intimate fellowship, that, that through this interaction in this thing called the church, hell's going to go, oh, whoa. <laughs> and the angels are going to go, what are you thinking? Give it to them. We're more. They're going, ah. Because of what's happening with us, that we surprise and we, we exemplify God's glory and wisdom to the heavenly realm. So, I mean, that, to me, that verse really is, there's a lot of other purposes for the church. But that one just seems to say, hey, this is what God wants to do in what we're supposed to be together. Making heaven and hell go, Wow. So, that's a purpose. We want to jump into the process. And this is where you see we have a lot of verses to just run through and let God's Word tell us, okay, here's, here's the purpose, but I have a process that I have ordained as, as you've been in this flesh. And, and our, your direct fellowship with me was broken. I reoriented you and, and created a new level of direct fellowship through faith in my Son, Jesus Christ. But now you see with a veil... And, and someday that veil will be removed, but I've begun, begun a good work in you and I'm going to be faithful to complete it. There's process. And that completion has some ordained processes in it. Listen to Colossians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Boom. Individual. Now a Christian. We've got to do some things. Set your heart on things above. That's a hard thing for us because we live here. And our eyes see things here. And we're sheep. We're sheep-sided. But we have to set our heart. We have to have a change. On things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore. Here's another action and choice on our part. Set your minds on things above. Put to death things that are a part of your natural self. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. We can't bear with each other if we're not with each other. Leaving and choosing not to show up is not bearing with each other. It's avoiding each other. (laughs) And so bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do you hear the togetherness in this? Teach and admonish one another. Coming, singing, sharing, speaking the Word to each other. Speaking the truth in love to each other. But we have to, we have to go through a process ourselves that God has ordained interaction with fellow believers to be a part of that because we're in a common struggle. We experience a common salvation coming from a common sinful nature that may have different manifestations of how it's played out, but it's all rooted in self that i got to put to death some things and i got to put my mind on His things. And sometimes it's hard because these things present themselves so loud and scream at me and I get with my community group and they're like, oh, come on, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just keep them on fixed on Jesus. He's there. And, and we find that help and that encouragement in the journey. It becomes like a positive peer group. As a youth pastor, Matt, you know, we, we watch our teens and Vince, youth pastor so long, and now I'm a dad, I'm going to be watching what kind of friends Griffin has. Sometimes his behavior changes a little bit. We're like, who are you playing with at school? Because <laughs> yeah, it can't be our son's fault. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we talk about peer pressure and we always think peer pressure is a negative thing because usually it is. And, and kids will start looking like and sounding like and acting like the group they're hanging with because they find a sense of acceptance in that. But see, God has designed that there's a positive peer pressure in this thing called the church where we're able to say, oh, come on. I don't want you to look like me. I want to help you look like Christ. And I want you to help me look like Christ. Let's help each other. Look like Christ. And let's get His Word together. And oh man, what you just shared with me cuts me to the heart. God has shown me something through what you just said and I need to confess. And would you pray with me? Would you help me? Would you hold me accountable in this? And, and, and this, this positive peer group, positive peer pressure starts to form. But we've got to be around each other. Regularly. Connected. Not just across the room once a week. But connected. First Corinthians, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts 
of the body. Every one of them, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. You are connected to this fellowship right where God wants you. And who you are, where you are in your journey, in your knowledge, in your... God has a place for you to find the connectivity that will help you grow and where you are will help someone else grow. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We see all these parts. I'm going to skip down a little bit. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Do you hear what the church is about? I mean, yeah, we try to have quality music. We're blessed with our musicians. We're, we're blessed, with, you know, but it's almost like church has become a competition for which church can win the most believers into their building by what they put on. And, and the world needs a church that's coming together as a body that is building each other up and, and, and that we have equal concern. And if one part suffers, every part suffers. That's intimacy. That's closeness. That's knowledge of what's going on in each other's life. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I've seen people that hardly ever show up and they go through something rough and they're mad at the church and the pastor because he never called or contacted them. And they were never around. And, and, and it is said when they're regular and we, we fall short for people who are regularly attending, let alone the ones we hardly ever see. But we need to come together into this intimacy. See, it says we're all baptized to form one body with many diverse parts, equal concern for each other. We have to be together to learn and know. All right, that's what Scripture says. I'm going to stay with that. Colossians 1, 24, 25. Um, I think I have a wrong reference. Oh, no, 24 through 25. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. This is Paul writing. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. See, Paul is making up in his flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Again, we, we talked about this not too long ago in one of our previous Sundays. Something's lacking in Christ's work? No, there's nothing lacking in the work of the cross. There, there's nothing lacking in, in the completion of salvation that's available to us in faith. But that is meant to be a, a personal relationship with Christ through his body. And, and Paul is serving the body. I have become the body's servant for the sake of the body. I become the gospel servant for the sake of the body. Are, are we, each of us, you are intended to be a servant of the gospel in the body of Christ. But the body already knows the gospel. They're saved already. The gospel is the starting point of the good work that He's begun in us that He needs to be faithful to complete it. And He needs us. He's put us together as these diverse parts to build the body up into Christ who is the head. And we'll see that a little bit more in just a moment. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpen iron, so one person sharpens another. Well, they can't do that in separate rooms. Can't do that in an easy chair in the sanctuary. Can't do that. It's got to come together. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. 
do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. It's always weird to me to read this verse when I'm the pastor of the church. <laughs> and it can be so misunderstood. Well, why did you pick that one? <laughs> and, and, and all I can tell you is I would not step into this role if I wasn't confident this is the role God called me to serve in the body. I'm just a body part like you. This is just the part He's called me to do. And it is a part that I have a special account to Him that I have to give. Scripture is very clear about the accountability that I have to even endeavor to step up here and try to share the Word with you and try to handle the Word of truth correctly. And I humbly accept that call because the only reason I do it is if God's called me, I have to trust He's going to enable me. He's going to help me. And I'll even learn through the mistakes that I make. And His Spirit will help me grow as I serve in the capacity that He's called me to. But what it's calling you to do is to allow God to work in you through the structure of the church. This is why a lot of people don't go. They don't want authority in their life. And they don't realize that rejecting the authority of the church that God has established is rejecting God's authority. Because His Word is calling us and He has given us something special just to edify the body. And we are taking that from Him if we do not plug in. And going to church, going to a church and floating in like I did at those college services, I wasn't really connecting. I was enjoying the superficiality for a while. I wasn't benefiting or edifying the body and the Word was coming to me. I was getting a little bit, but it wasn't what I'd want to multiply in someone else when I'm trying to help them learn what it is to be a follower of Christ. And Hebrews again in 10 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I don't know when it's coming, but i got to tell you, we have to be, well, we're we're about 2,000 years closer than they were when they wrote this. How much more is left, I don't know. But that means, when they wrote this and said, all the more as you see the day approaching... Are we at the level of fellowship and interaction and confession and, and, and edifying each other and serving in our gifts and abilities in the body? Are we, are we all the more? If we look back at Church of Acts? <laughs> I mean, this is, a, this is a solemn and a serious call. that The day's coming. I, I, just, I, I, I don't know what Jesus is waiting for when I watch the news sometimes. But... He tells us in His Word, don't give up meeting together and encourage. See, it's not just showing up. It's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That means we have to meet regularly and more and more from God's Word. Matthew 18, if they, will, if they still refuse to listen, this is about discipline, where it says if someone sins against you, go to them, and if they don't listen to you, bring the witnesses and talk to them. And then, if, and then if they still don't listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. There's, there's some discipline and accountability that needs to be held, and, and God has ordained that in this structure called the church. But what it is, it's redemptive accountability. Many of you will remember when I preached on this, I think it was my first sermon here, or it may have been my interview weekend, I don't know. But I preached on that, that process. And, and many times in our humanity, we look at that and say, man, they, they just get me. They just hurt me. And man, 
I'm going to get, you know, and I'm going to go to them and say, you did this to me. No, 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 no. And if they don't, if they don't get, I don't get what I want from them or they don't leave the church because I've, you know, then, then I'm going to get witness, you know, and okay, I'm going to do the scriptural step. All right, let's go get witnesses. All right. And we're almost relieved when they don't listen. So, oh, good. I get to go tell the church now and you're going to be out of here, buddy. And, and we're kind of looking for that vengeance. This process is meant to be redemptive. Start, start personal. Hey, brother, I don't even know if you know it. What you said hurt me so bad. And I need to tell you because I love you. And it's broken. It's broken our relationship with that hurt that's there. And I want to forgive you. And I want to tell you I'm going to forgive you. But if they are stubborn, then you take this next step. And it's trying to say, come on, man. Let's get the witnesses. We, yeah, we heard you say it. And, and we want you to, you know, come on. Bring healing back into this situation. Will you bring healing? We're trying to get you redeemed into this situation. And then if they don't, you tell the church. And if they don't listen to the church, we're trying to redeem them. Because that lost one that Pastor Ernie talked about, we don't want them to become lost again. We want them to come. And even in the cutting them off, treating them like a tax collector and a pagan means we've got to reach them again. It doesn't mean we write them off for eternity. It means they're just back in the, the, yeah, okay. Now we need to reach them back into the fold. They need the work of Christ in their heart. And, and we love them and we care about them. So redemptive accountability happens through the structure of the church. People don't like that. So I'll find the church that has the music I like and, the, and I can sit in the back and come in and go out. And come in and go out. And do whatever I want. Nobody knows it. So nobody tells anybody, so I don't have to deal with it. I can just be the half-Christian I enjoy being. And that really is what a lot of people are doing. And the world sees an anemic, weak church. See, shepherding and oversight in stewardship. Oh, I didn't read the verse for you. Let me read the verse. Acts twenty twenty eight. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, speaking to leaders, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church is an environment where God has called people to shepherd. The chief shepherd would stand on a higher point over the whole flock and he would have under shepherds that he would be able, they'd be able to see him at his point. And he would see the whole field. He would see the predators, where they're coming from there or over there. He would see the danger. He'd see the cliff that the sheep were heading towards. And he would be able to get and yell and speak to the under-shepherd and say, Get that one over there! He's heading for it! You know, and hey! And, and the chief shepherd speaking to the under-shepherds. And, and that's how I picture uh, pastoring, other than the fact that I'm just a sheep myself. But he's, in a way, he's made me an under-shepherd that, that he sees this whole church. He sees you seven days a week. 24 hours a day. And he asks me to try to watch and care and sometimes give me some signals of when I need to step in, when I need to say something, when I need to... But that, that shepherding and oversight is of Christ's blood-purchased people. You're not my church. We are His church. And I'm just doing what God's called me to do among us. And the call is for you to do what God's called you to do among us and be a part of the body. First Corinthians 5. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? That's Scripture. 
Do not judge, lest ye be judged. Well, here, you know, and again, the words are going to carry a different connotation. But it, but it is. We are making assessments. We're supposed to be more strict in our assessments of each other within the walls of the church. And, and we're really good at being verbal against that ugly old world out there. We're really good at calling sin what it is. And, oh my goodness, you know, because thank goodness the Lord's made me different. And thank goodness He has. The churches that are growing and booming, people have given permission for that accountability to take place. That really we are. Hey, you're saying you're a follower of Christ. Does that really, does that really fit in with being a follower of Christ? This is the place we should be seeking that and allowing that. Mutual accountability and correction in the body of Christ. That stuff is harsh. That stuff is tough. That stuff is it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. But I kind of think that Jesus Christ went through something a little bit uncomfortable for my salvation. <laughs> and, and, and now he's wanting to make me like him. That's a tough process. And, and, and if I want to be Mr. Olympia in a year, guess what? I'm going to be in some painful. I'm going to put myself willingly in some painful situations in the gym this next year. And if I want to be like Christ, I got to be willing to go through training, strict training. Scripture calls it. And it's in the context of the body of Christ. Not only in our human nature and desire for comfort, but we have an enemy that wants to keep us from being all that God wants us to be as His church in this world. And I'm going to scratch the video for today because of time for you. We still have some more verses to get to. It was Lord of the Rings where Gollum had poisoned Frodo's mind, accusing Sam of wanting false, having false motives and wanting to help him carry the ring and Frodo kicks Sam away, but then it, it segues into Sam. And I just wanted you to hear this this, this one line. Um, I'm going to skip past it real quick uh, so it doesn't play. Don't worry about switching over. Um, in the in it, Sam is deeply hurt, and in that he Gollum is saying he wants it for himself. I, and, and what he does, he comes and he steals their bread and he throws it down the cliff and then he accuses Sam of having eaten it all. So Frodo's like thinking Sam all of a sudden is selfish. Satan created a circumstance, or Gollum created a circumstance that he made Frodo question his buddy's character and love. And, then, and Sam goes, he's a liar. He's poisoned you against me. And Frodo takes, I just wanted to help. I don't want to keep it for myself. I just want to help. And Frodo makes him leave. But later in the movie, they come back together and Frodo doesn't make it up the hill to Mordor. If you don't know the story, forgive me. But, but Sam says to him at this point, they're laying there. Frodo can't walk another step. And, and Frodo's starting to tell him he's seeing the veil that's coming from the ring and, and, and the ring of fire. And he didn't get it there in time. And his, his life is seeping away. And Sam says, let's get rid of it then. I cannot carry it for you. But I can carry you. And he picks up Frodo on this rocky mountainside and starts carrying him the rest of the way. And of course, the ending is a good ending. <laughs> I can't carry your struggle. I can't carry your ring of fire. I can't fix your temptation. But I do my best to carry you in the role God's given me with His Word, presenting it, sharing it, trying to be as personal as I can, but trying to create an environment where community groups, there's connectivity that, that gets you more connected than what I can be for everybody. 
And what one person or three people or a staff can be for everybody. It's a connectivity. And I, and I picture uh, Sam being like the church. that the, the body of Christ can say to many, Satan has lied. Yeah, there may have been some real circumstances. There may have been some real things that happened. The bread's gone. And you don't see any other way that it's gone except for that person took that, took that from me. That person did that to me. That person. And Satan's keeping your eyes on. Yes, yes, I saw they did it. Yes. And, 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 and a lot of people that say they're Christians in the world are looking at the body of Christ that's intended to be an edifying place and going, you can't help me anymore. I'm out of here. Because Satan is lying. And this is the place where we need to come together and say, I can't carry your burden for you, but I can carry you. I can carry you to the Word of God. I can carry you in prayer. I can carry you in accountability. I can carry... Let's get this. Let's get rid of this. <laughs> and carry each other. So the ordained process continues on that we've been separated from this by those lies. And many of you are thinking, maybe some of you in here have experienced, and you're, you're back in church a little bit with a, a little bit of a trepidation because you've been hurt before. But it calls us to come together in love and care for each other. Here's, here's some more of the process. 1 Corinthians 14. After the love chapter. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who pro, uh, prophesies edifies the church. So it is with you, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word or of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done... Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. God's Word is telling us to use the gifts He's given us to edify the church. So that the church may be built up and look like that U.S. hockey team coming together when we praise and worship Him. That we are in harmony pointing upward. Fulfilling our purpose. This right here should be the most powerful organization the world has ever seen. In the power of the Holy Spirit of God as the Word of Christ dwells richly among us. Now, it's a tough process. But we have some provision. Let's finish up looking at that. I... Thank you for your patience. First Corinthians, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there's given, well, we won't read all those things, the, the listing of the gifts and all these. All these are the work of one and same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? I could pick a whole lot more Scriptures. If you think I should have not picked as many as I did, I could have a lot more. But this is what God's Word is saying. I wanted to establish that it's God's Word, not my opinion. Uh, and, and so God has placed prophets, apostles, teachers, and all these in the church. Not all doing the same thing, but eagerly desire the gifts. So the provision is, He'll enable us. He'll empower us. His spiritual gifts. And then Matthew 16, here's the clincher for us. This seems intimidating. Jesus tells Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, you will build my church. No. On this rock... I will build my church, Jesus said. 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's that power I was talking about. We are obedient. God will build His church. And that's us. Together. And He does it in love. It's so mixed in that Ephesians has this Scripture of marriage and relationship. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Only God can make the human organization a holy organism by the presence of His Spirit. Christ gave Himself up for the church to cleanse us and make us holy as a church, as a body together redeemed. And then it says in Colossians, is this our, oh, yeah, is this our last one? Alright. We're getting, we're getting through it, folks. Thank you. And He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything He might have supremacy. He who provides for us, ain't nobody gonna stop Him. Ain't nobody greater. So whatever He calls us to do, if we step into it, guess who we got providing for us? And ain't nobody going to keep it from happening. Our resurrected head has supremacy over everything. Many parts are connected. And it says in one Scripture that we're connected by connective tissue, ligaments and sinews in, in its proper place, growing into the head. And so... I think this refutes the believer out there that says, I can be a Christian, I can be a disciple of Christ and not go to church. Because God's Word repeatedly talks about this need for interact. Now, some find that in sub-church, um, you know, semi-church, quasi-church environments. And, and it's the church. The church is the body of Christ collective. And these kind of relationships can take place outside of the walls of this building. But, but most believers are saying that so they can go and sit at a river on Sunday and say, well, it's God's creation. I'm good. And, and not really growing. And the last sub-point of this is just one that's not in your notes, but Ephesians says for us to equip people, me as a, as a pastor, and these people with gifts, they give them, they're given to them, pastors, teachers, apostles, to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You want to walk in the fullness of Christ? Connect to the body. Don't trust me to give you the fullness of Christ. But be obedient to Christ in relationship to me and to those around you and to the, the offering of your gifts and abilities. Be obedient to Christ about your relationship to the church. And we will grow up together into Him, into the fullness of the measure of Christ. That's God's Word. I've laid it out for you today. So the question, why should I join a church? Am I not already a member of the body as a believer? Shallow connectivity with Christ's body allows shallow commitment to Christ. The local fellowship is where mutual edification, service through gifts, and accountability are able to nurture depth and show unity in the message of our lives. It is the process He ordained through which to provide the environment for His purpose to be fulfilled. It is the process He ordained through which to provide the environment for his purpose 
to be fulfilled. If I want the peace of Christ to dwell in my heart, his message to dwell richly among us, and to make God's wisdom known to the spiritual realm, I need to be in his ordained process where his provision is available. If I'm going to help another person become a disciple of Christ, I must model being part of the body. The worship team is going to be coming up. and This is the last session of becoming a disciple. Church membership is important. Saying I belong. It's about becoming... Yeah, there's, it's a covenant and there's commitment. But it's about being a part of the family and saying this is my family and I'm not going to run the first time Gollum whispers to me, see that person, see what they're saying about you, see what that person did to you. Oh, I'm out of here. Becoming a member is saying, this is where God's called me to plant myself. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. Many of you remember that from the 70s. Bloom where you're planted. And church membership is saying, you know what, I need to set my, I need to set my roots where people will get to know me and, and for better or for worse, and I will get to know them for better or for worse, and we're going to get rid of this thing together. And when I need carrying, they'll carry me. When they need carrying, I'll carry them. We're going to get rid of this thing called sinful nature, and we're going to glorify God together in his ordained way. Some of you, I know it's late, but some of you may have been poisoned against the church by real things. may even be a shortcoming of mine since I've been here. Lord, help. But it may be some of the history before I showed up. I don't know. But we're going to be singing this song, Sweet Hour Prayer. But for time's sake, and I know that we shouldn't put a time on these kind of processes, but has Satan poisoned you against someone else in this fellowship? Has he taken your eyes off of the fact that everyone else in here needs his work? That's a granted. And you shouldn't hold that against them because you do too. <laughs> I can't hold the fact that someone still needs his work in an area of their life against them when... I'm your pastor and he's still working on me. And, and we want to have this sweet hour of prayer, but what I was thinking when I was thinking about this song, God's Word tells us if you have something against a brother, go to him and make it right. Then come and bring your sacrifice. And, and the song is calling us to a sweet hour of prayer, but that sweet hour of prayer may not be possible without some forgiveness. And it may be someone here needs to go to someone and say, will you forgive me? And it may be someone in here needs to say, you know what, I've been holding something against you. And I want you to know I forgive you. I hope you'll forgive me for that. And then do business with God. And so, I don't know. This is where God's brought us and He's brought each one of us here for this time. So I think what we'll do is we'll just sing. And I want you to have that in mind. But I, I think that there's many who have been holding the relationship to the church at arm's length because of a comfort. I don't want them in my kitchen. I don't want that accountability. I don't, well, a superficial connectivity to the church allows a superficial connectivity to Christ Himself. And you can hide all your behaviors you want from the church. It doesn't hide them from Christ. And we're here to help and love. Speak the truth, yes. 
we won't have that fullness of the measure of Christ until we truly come together in this connectivity. And so we might need to break our pride. We might need to just say, God, I need to be a part of it. Not about coming to join this institution here on earth right now. I'm talking about business with God. How have you been treating His body? And why? Heavenly Father, I just release this time to you as we sing. This can be a sweet hour of prayer, of release and freedom for some in this place. The perspective of the body of Christ. Yes, we're a human organization made up of people. (laughs) But that's the very process. We're people helping people. Each other. So some may need to come to this altar and ask you to forgive them for how they've viewed your body. They've allowed Satan to poison them against the church. Or just with kind of benign lies of, oh, it's okay, comfort promise, promises of comfort. You can be a believer and just show up. You don't need to get really connected. Just just show up. You're doing your Christian thing. Well, Israel did that in the old covenant and it wasn't good enough. Or you may need to go to someone and say, forgive me, I've been holding a grudge against you and I forgive you. That's tough. But Lord, your word has called us today. So during this song, will you move each individual? Will you speak to each heart? Will you say, my child, my son, my daughter, I want a sweet hour of prayer with you. Sweet moment of prayer with you. But there's a block. Giving it to me, obeying me with it right now can be the sweetest moment of prayer we've ever had. Heavenly Father, I pray you speak to each heart. Bring us to the altar if we need to bend our knee. Take us to a person if we need to. But Holy Spirit, call us to a sweet hour of prayer. Make us yours.